Our scripture this morning is found in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Please turn there with me, 2 Samuel chapter 11. And our ushers have Bibles available. If you don't have your regular Bible, raise your hand. We'll bring a Bible to you that you can use uh, throughout our service this morning. Second Samuel chapter 11. As you turn there, please stand together with me as we give respect to the reading of God's word. Reading verses 1 through 21, 2 Samuel chapter 11. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch as and was walking on the roof of the king's house, that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purified she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. And Uriah went out of the king's house, and there followed him a present from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord. He did not go down to his house. When they told David, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, have you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, the ark in Israel and Judah dwell in booths, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house and eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. Then David said to Uriah, remain here today also, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. And David invited him, and he ate in his presence and drank so that he made him drunk. And in the evening, he went out to lie on his couch with the servants of his Lord, but he did not go down to his house. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. In the letter he wrote, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting and then draw back from him that he may be struck down and die. 
And as Joab was besieging the city, he assigned Uriah to the place where he knew there were valiant men. And the men of the city came out and fought with Joab, and some of the servants of David among the people fell. Uriah the Hittite also died. Then Joab sent and told David all the news about the fighting. And he instructed the messenger, when you have finished telling all the news about the fighting to the king, then if the king's anger arises and if he says to you, why did you go so near to the city to fight? Did you not know that, there would, that they would shoot from the wall? Who killed Abimelech, the son of Jer- Jerobu- Jerobusheth? Did not a woman cast an upper millstone on him from the wall so that he died at Thebes? Why did you go so near the wall? Then you shall say, your servant Uriah, the Hittite, is dead also. We'll pause here in this reading of God's word. It's a reading that grips, gets our attention. You may wonder, how does that connect with the setting of our new year? We'll tie that in in God's word in the message today. Let's take a moment to bow in a word of prayer. Um, So if you would, remain standing with me and bow in a word of prayer. We thank you, Father, for another day that you've given us, another year that you've given us. Um, We want to pray that we commit ourselves to you, use our time wisely, use this day, this month, this year, as much as you give it to us. Allow us to live in it. As much as you give, you might use it for your glory. We pray for those who are traveling from amongst our group of members. We think of Brian and Heidi and his family as as they travel. As he preaches this morning, we pray that you would just bless the preaching of your word as it goes out in, in Indiana. We pray for their travel back that they might have safety. We pray for Willie and Mickey. We got the news last night that Willie's younger sister passed away just yesterday, suddenly, unexpected. Um, And we pray, Lord, that you would just minister to Willie right now and to Mickey as a couple. They are going through a lot of things. They have great-grandchildren that they care for grandchildren that they care for, a son that they care for and love. And now on top of that, this, she's had sickness and illness and all kinds of issues, Lord. So we just pray that you would be with them as a couple and as a family. You would encourage their hearts in your word. You would bear them up at this time and and be with them and help them. So we pray... um, just for our congregation as a whole. We thank you for allowing us to uh, financially meet our goals this year and this month. We thank you for the giving of your people, how gracious uh, they are to give of what you have given and blessed them with and to, uh, to support your work here. We pray that that support might be well used, that we will use every penny for your glory. We will use our energy for your glory. We also pray, Lord, in, in that... In that same way, we pray for ministry uh, to continue. We pray uh, for laborers in the ministry. We are in need, Lord, of of a faithful man or men to 
to help in driving and transportation. We pray that you would stir the hearts of men to step up to that challenge. As uh, there's a need there, we want to continue this work. We thank you for those who have faithfully done it um, uh, over the years, a number of people. Uh, but mainly, we want to thank for Lawrence, who has just taken on that challenge. And because he has other responsibilities, he won't be able to keep up that pace that he has set. But we pray, Lord, that you would help and challenge others to step in, be willing to do uh, what they can do in that regard. We thank you for um, just your work and your ministry going on here. We thank you uh, for uh, Truth Seekers getting back started on Wednesday. We just pray that you would bless our children as they prepare to go back uh, to school when that time comes and that you would bless them here that they might be used of you to develop and to grow and to bring glory to you with all of their lives. Be with their, their parents and uh, that you would just continue to um, just help them to make good decisions and to set the example and to lead in the home in a way that you would be pleased. Protect us, Lord. We live in an evil, wicked, violent world. We pray for your protection in it. Uh, even last night, I could hear gunshots all over the place, and uh, we just thank you for allowing us to be here tonight or today and uh, to see another year. We pray that you would get the glory out of our lives. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated as our choir comes for special music. Pastor, I'm a little tired. In fact, I, it's like a, a forecast. Pastor, next Sunday, I'm going to be a little tired. I'm like, really? Really? You know that already? I know you're a little tired now, but next Sunday, I'm going to be a little tired. I might not be able to come. So we see in David's life, it was a time when he felt, you know, man, maybe I need a little break. Maybe I've been pushing it a little too hard. Everybody needs to take a break once in a while. And I'm showing you that's a dangerous way to think when we couple taking a break as being apart from God's work that he's assigned to us in his ministry. Certainly, we need times of rest. God knew that. and Even in his plan of creation, he planned a seventh day where we would take rest. And he set the example. He didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because he wanted you and me to take time out to worship him. But notice, it's taking time out to worship him, not time to be idle and do nothing. There's a wise saying, idle time, the devil's workshop. It's a true saying. We give room or give place for Satan, and that's exactly what David did, and you can be sure Satan was going to take a swing. He was going to try to interject something into David's life. And sure enough, read verse 2. Look at it with me. It happened. Whenever I see that in Scripture, it gets my attention because I know nothing just happens by chance. It's, it's planned. We have an enemy who wants to destroy us. 
And when things happen, it's not just by chance, it's his work. It reminds me of Job's life, right? It just so happened that on one day, catastrophe fell. And on that same day, while the first messenger was giving Job the bad news, another messenger came. It just so happened. You and I, with our spiritual eyes, should see, be, should see behind that it just so happened. There's somebody pulling those strings. There's somebody engineering that. There's somebody planning. And that somebody is Satan. I want you to see how it works. It just so happened. Late one afternoon. David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof. Now, I want to wonder why. What was he doing on the roof? Well, it's time to take a break. I'm not going to go out to battle with my army. I'm going to stay home and chill for a little bit. In other words, he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. He should not have been there. And when we don't go where we need to be and when we are where we shouldn't be, bad things happen. Coaches tell their athletes, nothing good happens at 3 o'clock in the morning at the strip club. Not for you. He warns their athletes that, look, when you're in the wrong place, you're setting yourself up for failure. And that's what was happening here with David. Notice where he rose from. He arose from his couch. Idle time. Idle time. I'm amazed that when I ask for people to uh, participate in something that causes for a commitment and a step up, I always get this idea, I don't have time. And I want to think, now wait a minute. Don't you play video games? Don't you go shopping? Don't you do anything for leisure? Well, certainly you do. So it's not a matter of time. You have the same 24 hours everybody else has. It's a matter of priority. What is your priority? What's your priority this year? It's either one or two things, to serve God or to serve yourself. God says, serve me and I'll take care of all the rest. So he got up from his roof Walking on the roof of the king's house, it just so happened that he saw a woman. And the woman was bathing, and it says the woman was very beautiful. <laughs> so he's set up, isn't he? No, he's tempted. He's tempted. He's tempted by something that would appeal to him. Satan knows how to tempt us, and this is how he tempted. Uh, a moment for the ladies. What was she doing? What was she doing? Out in her yard, in full view of at least the king, bathing. We, we challenge both genders, male and female, that they have a responsibility in keeping themselves pure. And I say this because this is a message for all of us. You don't get to an age where you don't have to think and protect your thinking and your actions. 
you don't outgrow temptation. Now, maybe you're not tempted in one way or the other, or one, one particular way, but you're tempted in some other way. And so there's a responsibility here, a responsibility on this woman. is She is bathing in full view. What did she think was going to happen? I, 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 as I go about, I'll go to the same places you go to, I'm in the stores, in the malls, and just walking around wherever I am, and I see people, and I see their attire. It's not so much their attire. Maybe it's the way it fits or the way it doesn't fit, and what message that it gives. What message do you really? I want, sometimes with ladies, I want you to look in the mirror and ask, what would pastor say when he sees me in this? Because you come into church. I mean, if you were going to bed, you could say, what would my husband say when he sees me in this? And that'd be fine if he's the only one that's seeing you. What would my brother say when he sees me in this? When he smells me like this, with this perfume, with this whatever it is that I'm doing, what is the message that I want to give to others? I don't know what was going on in Uriah's head. I don't know if her husband was in the army and he had been gone a long time and, and, and she was lonely. I don't know emotionally what was her setup. But she has a responsibility as well to fashion herself in a way that pleases God and fits the place that he has placed her. And I don't think she does that. David sent and inquired about the woman. We're now in verse 3. Notice the information he gets back from her, from, from the messenger. Now, he's a king, so he just sends a messenger over there and tell me what you find out about this woman. Here's what they found out. This is Bathsheba. In other words, she has a name. This is an individual. This is a person. Not just a person. It's the daughter of Eliam. This is somebody's daughter. The wife of Uriah the Hittite. This is someone's wife. In other words, David now was equipped with everything he needed to know that should have told him, don't. But he didn't. So David went in took her, invited her. Um, I can't really assess degrees of responsibility uh, in that culture, but I, I can say this. Both were wrong. David was wrong. Uriah, excuse me, uh, Bathsheba was wrong. There is one shining light in this whole picture, and it's Uriah. In this picture, Uriah is the committed, dedicated soldier who is so committed to the task that he's been given that when the king calls him off of the front line to take a break, he won't. He stays in the king's, right outside of the king's door. He doesn't even go back to his house. Now, we know why David called him to do that. David is trying to cover up his sin. But Uriah will have no part of it. 
And Uriah is just acting the way Uriah acts. He's a faithful warrior. Almost get that David knows him. If you look in the other accounts where you see David's mighty men, David has some, some select men that were part of his, his great circle of, of, of bad dudes. I mean, these, these, these guys you just didn't mess with. They, 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 they were elite uh, uh, fighters. And Uriah was, was, was in that rank. And so it, it could be that David had interacted with him and even knew of him, at least in some way. So the message is here is that there's many challenges that we face as we go into a new year. And Satan will try to attack us in so many different ways. How do we fight off that attack? First of all, do what God has given you to do. Take on the responsibilities that God has given you to take on. David was idle when he should not have been idle. And he didn't, ha he didn't busy himself in the work that he should have been in. I invite you to get yourself involved in God's work. Do that. That's number one with David. Secondly, um, act wisely in all that we do. David, there's a common thing. When we go through successes, that it's easy for us to take time off and, and relax our standards. And that's a caution to each of us. If, if you read through 2 Samuel, you'll see that, uh, and I mentioned this in the introduction, that David had had a number of successes. And sometimes successes can, can, uh, uh, um, can, can get us off of our guard, off our game, so to speak, uh, uh, to cause us to, to relax ourselves and our standards when we should not uh, relax those things. So let's take that lesson uh, from David as well. Um, God is gracious in all of this. You can follow the scriptures through. In fact, the very next chapter, you'll see how God deals with David because of this. But what we see is that God does not just let sin go unchecked. God will bring a person alongside of us to challenge us so that we don't stay in sin. The picture that I'm thinking about is, you remember the, the, the story of, of, of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? After they had sinned and they had taken off the tree that God told them not to eat, um, they took of this, and after God dealt with them, he took them out of the Garden of Eden, and he put a guard on that garden, and he, he, he took them out. And he said, lest they eat of the fruit of the tree of life. In other words, God was gracious enough. He didn't want them to live forever in sin. And so he took them from that temptation that they had so that they would not keep eating and living and sinning. God is gracious. He actually deals with sin. And sometimes we think that, that God is just this, this mean disciplinarian. And what we don't realize, he's gracious enough to deal with our sin. He's like that loving parent who says, I'm going to spank my child. I'm going to discipline my child so that he won't get carried off 
in sin. I'm doing this for his good so he doesn't get stuck in sin. God does that with David. David sins, and it's a grievous sin, and we can see that here. He took a man that had allegiance to David, and he took his wife. He set him up on the battlefield so that he would be killed so that David could then carry on and have his wife. And it happened. David thought he got away with it. He thought, he thought, okay, well, the first plan I had didn't work. Uriah didn't come home. He didn't go with his wife. And, and so when she, she found out she was pregnant, he, she would, he would imagine it was his, but that wasn't the case now. And he had to take plan two or plan B. And he thought that was going pretty well until you get to chapter 12. And there was a prophet named Nathan who confronted David in his sin. This is the grace of God in action. David points to, to points out, da- excuse me, Nathan points out to David his sin and brings David to full conviction. It's never comfortable to be convicted and, convicted and confronted with our sin. We're never comfortable with that. But God does it for our good so that he can cleanse us and help us to be what he wants us to be. Um, as I close, I, I want you to go to Psalm 51. I, I want to end there. I want you to see David's heart. Psalm 51. It says this, Have mercy on me, O God, According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Can I pause there? In his conviction, David didn't say, Lord, I don't deserve your punishment. He says, have mercy on me. Please, Lord, have mercy. I have sinned. I have sinned against you. He doesn't try to whitewash his sin, call it something else. Oh, Lord, I just slipped up a little bit. No. He calls it for what it is. And he, this is what trusting God is. He relies on God's mercy to give him something that he doesn't deserve, but that God in his character, God is gracious enough to do that. He trusts in the grace and the love and the mercy, the character of God. He says, you'll be justified in whatever you do. Whatever the consequences are to me, you're totally justified in that. But please be gracious. Verse 5, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin that my mother conceived me. He says, I've got a sin nature from the time I was born. That's not an excuse. That's a fact. It's not an excuse to go on sinning. 
Paul says in Romans, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. He says in verse 6, behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. David had lived for a while hiding his sin in his heart. We know Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 9 and verse 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 7. Purge me with hyssop. And I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. So David was repentant later on, and he wrote this, and it expresses a true heart of those that sin against God. So we can see the ugliness of 2 Samuel 11, and we can see the repentance of Psalm 51. We can see the caution. I'm glad the Bible gives us examples so that we would take precaution in our own lives and in our own walk. Um, and then our prayer for this year, that we would walk with the Lord, that we will walk accordingly as he would have us to walk, and that we realize that God's grace and his mercy is available to us for us to, to, um, to, to run to him, to, to come to him, to ask him and to know that he forgives sin. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God calls us to be vigilant, to watch, to be on guard, to not take breaks from his work and his servant service, uh, but to, to, to be constantly uh, 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 applying ourselves in his work and then to, to check our hearts and to trust God to confess our sin to him to ask him for, for cleansing and purification uh, so that we can live the way that he wants us to live and bring glory to him the way that he wants us to bring glory to him I pray that in this year you and I will be committed to God and we'll be careful to check our commitment and to keep our commitment throughout the year, trusting in God who has called us to this place, who has called us to this place of worship, called us to this place of commitment, that we will look for ways to honor him, not for ways to shy away and to run away from him. But uh, what, Lord, what would you have me to do? I pray that God will guide your heart in this and uh, um, um, call you to, to live for him 
in in this year. I'm reminded how all this points to the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we have spoken of his coming into the world, the advent or his birth, um, and he came for the purpose of being our Savior, of dying on the cross for our sin, of dealing with our sin. And so we should live for his glory. 2023 should be that year that we continue and grow in our commitment to love him, to serve him, to love one another, and to serve one another. Um, I wanted to just to, to, to mention to you how, um, how God's grace has, has, has been shown and how God's people have, have been so faithful uh, through the many challenges that he has uh, brought to us. I was just thinking um, just this morning as I was preparing for this message, there are several uh, individuals here who have gone through extreme challenges in their life. Uh, I can't think of a, of a greater thing than to lose your spouse. Um, and to, uh, but each of these individuals that I'm thinking of now have lost a spouse and have kept their commitment and their walk with the Lord. Um, I have eight people that I want to mention in that category. Of that eight, I believe six are here today. Uh, one is not here because uh, uh, she, she doesn't drive on her own and couldn't make it um, because her husband is, is working. Uh, Cliff, Cliff and Joyce would be two of those individuals who have, have lost a spouse and have remained faithful to the Lord. Um, Charles and Willa are here today. They're united in marriage and each of, each of them have lost a spouse and has to have remained committed to the Lord and are here today. Praise God. Mr. and Mrs. Alexander, I love saying that. Praise God for you in, in that regard. Um, I want to mention Jackie. Where is she? There you are, hiding behind Cliff. There you are. Jackie is here. Um, praise God for your commitment to the Lord, your service to the Lord. Um, Mac was a dear father-in-law to me, a dear brother a dear brother in the Lord to all of us here. And uh, it's amazing to me that um, her service hasn't waned. She was faithful when Mac was here. She's faithful when, when after Mac has passed away. It has just gone on day by day, Sunday after Sunday. She's always the first one here on Sunday. Always the first one here. If you ate a donut or drank coffee, then you know who helped prepare that. It, and what you might not know is after you ate, while you're eating that donut and drinking that coffee, she was praying for you too. <laughs> She's in her room, in her path, and, and I just I thank God for that kind of example and that kind of testimony. Um, um, where Savannah, where are you? There you are. Okay. Savannah's here. Praise God for you, Savannah. It's just been over a year that uh, your husband, Dwayne, has passed away, and uh, you are here, you're here, and you're faithful. I didn't tell anybody that I was doing this today, but I just wanted to mention, and, and here she is, faithful, serving God uh, in a loss of a husband. Um, I know there's tears shed. I know there's hardships in that, um, and yet in that, in, in that life, in that hurting, you've come and you served God in that. 
And mom, you are here. Praise God for you. It's just been a little over a year since dad has passed away. And yet she has been here. She's made it away. These, these ladies, and, and there's one other that, that I, that I want to mention that, that is usually here. He's not here today. Michael is here. He lost his spouse as well. And he's a member here, and he's been coming. He's been serving. He's been, he's been trying to respond to God's challenge in that way. And I love to see that in this small group of people. I've just mentioned so many who have had um, life-crushing type events happen in their life, and yet they get back up, they wake up every day, and they serve God, and they're still serving God right now. I praise God for each one of you. And I just use those as examples because they're here and they're in front of us, and, and that's what we see. I thank God for that kind of testimony and that kind of example. That kind of sets the, the challenge of what I'm saying is we want to be faithful serving the Lord going into this year. We don't know what this year is going to bring, but whatever it brings, it's going to have some good. It's going to have some challenges as well. We simply want to serve God faithfully. And you can look out amongst yourselves and see that it can be done. That's the encouraging part. Is it easy? No. But God's people are doing it. And you're part of it because you encourage them. You pray for them. You're joyful for them. You, you're, you love the example that they set as I love that example that they have set. They're in a place that I have never been. I've been married 41 years and look forward to many years of marriage. But they have faced that challenge in their own life, and they continue to serve God. Thank you. I can't say thank you enough. God will say thank you. God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have set an example for each of us. I want you to know we're praying for each of you praying that God will continue to encourage you. We know your hurts aren't over. They're not all necessarily healed. They continue. That loss is still real. But you serve God in spite of that. And that's a testimony that I love to see, and I, I thank God for it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the grace that comes from you that allows us to have a heart to serve, we thank you for even for David. He shows himself to be not just human but sinful and prone to sin, but yet he got back up. He confessed his sin to you, and he served you faithfully so that you still were willing to say that he is in a line of the kings that would bring forth the Savior into the world. Jesus is still called the son of David. You even used Bathsheba in that way as well. So Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us over the years. We thank you for your faithful servants. We pray that you'd bless, encourage, and keep them that we might endeavor to be faithful like they are and help and encourage and pray for them and support them. 
bless your people this year and all that you have in store for us. Help us to trust you, to rely on you, to love you, to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Happy New Year.